If you pull people in and you get them out to nature and you have them connecting in a way that is spiritually enriching, helps their physical well-being and their mental state of health, does it matter what direction they come from? So good to have you here. This is Brett, your host and trail guide here at Mountain Zen Den, the place for connecting with nature for mindfulness and personal transformation, naturally. Since 2009, facilitator, author, and artist Sherry Phibbs has been gaining a wealth of experience in nature immersion, and to date, has written three books which, among other things, teach the hungry and willing student how to connect with nature through art and deep sensory nature immersion. Now, you don't have to be an artist to enjoy and appreciate the lessons she shares. In fact, Sherry emphasizes that you need absolutely no art experience previously in order to create. All of us could benefit from the wisdom and insights offered in today's show. I found it fascinating when she also shared her experiences with and discovery that, according to Dr. Michael Cohen, we have over 50 verifiable senses, besides the five that we're all familiar with. Having gone through some very difficult struggles and life challenges as a single mom, Sherry now uses art therapy as a tool for decoding her spiritual experiences. She teaches guided workshops for stress relief and living a balanced life with purpose and clarity. If you are looking for confirmation in the healing and deep personal and spiritual insights that can be found through connecting with nature, as well as art therapy, I believe you're really going to enjoy today's show. So, my friend, come on in. Sherry Phibbs, welcome to Mountain Zenden. It is such a pleasure to have you here today. Wow. Well, thank you so much for inviting me. I'm really honored to be here and be a part of your podcast. Well, thank you. I've been looking forward to this. We kind of were talking about it a few months ago, and uh, months have gone by, and now here we are. I stumbled on your book, Nature Immersion, on, I believe it was on Amazon Books, and that's how I found you. And you present so many new and unfamiliar terms that all just sounded like Mountain Zenden, <laughs> connecting with nature for mindfulness and personal growth. And I just knew I had to have you on the show. Uh, very intriguing stuff. I'd love it if you'd tell us about your journey, um, the Lofty Art House, and how you discovered nature immersion. And the wow. rest of life. <laughs> <laughs> wow. Let's start with the Lofty Art House because that's the yes. easiest one. Um, my studio is in the loft of my barn. So, um, Perfect. Beautiful. Yes. It was, it's uh, visions of grandeur, I guess. It's about 200 and some odd square feet. I moved there after um, I have a 686 square foot yurt oh, that's wow. nestled in the woods and 13 acres. And that used to be my art studio, and I used to run a lot of my workshops and um, uh, collaborative endeavors out there, but oh. uh, pre-COVID, you know. Yes, yeah. So COVID hit, and I was looking for another way to kind of uh, get people out into nature where I didn't have to be in the middle of a classroom, of course, because we didn't know what was going on, right? Yes, yeah. So I, I set it up as an Airbnb. So I had to move all of my art stuff out mm. and... Um, off to the barn well i have to say you are living my my wife's dream all she wants is a cabin or a yurt and then the horses (laughs) she's a 
She's a first oh, grade teacher right now, but that's the dream is to be living where your horses are right outside your yurt. So yes. She'll be excited to hear this. Very oh my cool. gosh. Yes. Yeah. They're, they're an inspiration for a lot of the artwork and a lot of the nature immersion um, experiences that I've yeah. had. Yeah. Uh, they, they kind of grab you right, yeah. right here, you know, and, and they're therapeutic, um, correct? They are. Yeah. They are. They, they teach us. Um, they teach us so much about life that, uh, things we don't see or come in contact with when we're living in the city. I grew up in the city. Mm-hmm. So being out here is my dream too. Yes. You know, it's, oh, it's, um, uh, it's magic when you, mm-hmm. when you make the connection, it's, it's like the world draws you in a certain direction. I know this, that sounds kind of um, a little out there, but it's very true. Yes. Um, I believe that. We're, we're, in a way we're, we're drawn to the things that sustain us, right? Like when, when we're thirsty, I got water because all of a sudden water sounds really attractive, right? You know, your body's dehydrated and there's this little energetic web string that trip that attaches you to water. And as part of this web that makes up all of the world energetically, it's, it starts to vibrate and water draws you in mm. and so you drink the water it. is doing the drawing. That's right. And wow. you drink it. And then you feel better. So it sustains you, right? And if you look at every experience that you have with the natural world and the way your senses work, when things vibrate, they pull you in directions of where you you need to go to be sustained, to feel better, right? So, um, well, where did this all start? Uh, It started in my living room. I read you had a visit from a very intriguing visit. <laughs> I did. It was kind of a shock, actually. I didn't. I didn't have any understanding or any training or any uh, type of background that could provide me with, um, you know, some type of normality for the experience that I had. Right. So I had um, been going through a really rough time. It was really, uh, if if I were to say, massive burnout. <laughs> that's where I was I was I think a lot of us can relate to that right now yeah single parent two kids you know no no family net no nothing um for for any type of support structure and full-time job and of course I had the kids in I think I was trying to be super mom yeah so I had the kids in like five different things each. And I had to drive them all over the place. It was like hour long journeys from wow. horseback riding in the South, all the way up to the North where I was doing, you know, jazz band for my son and soccer practices all over the place. Oh my goodness. You know, and then, and then there was a the volunteering too. So I, I had all of these, um, I think I was in three different volunteer groups at the time. And I was, I was exhausted. I remember one point I was sitting in the office at, at uh, lunchtime and I was like, <laughs> trying, trying to catch myself. And I heard whispers later, well, is she, is she been drinking? You know, oh, it's like, oh, oh my gosh, no, <laughs> I'm just so tired. I can't stand, I can't stay away. They say driving with sleep deprived is more dangerous than driving drunk. So <laughs> it is, it's awful. It's awful. Wow. Don't ever do that. Yeah. Oh my gosh. So anyways, I was, I was kind of at the end of my ropes, right? And I, I, so I was praying. It was, it was my, my go-to and I, I did not grow up in a religious uh, environment really. Huh. Um, 
off and on, we went to church and that yeah. was about it. But when the divorce was finalized and I was on my own, I was looking for for something that was going to kind of give me direction. Yeah. So, so I, I started, I was starting praying. So I was praying and, and I was not getting enough to eat because mm. I was, I was um, not getting the child support that I needed. And I was making sure the kids had enough, you know, and I wasn't eating. I was back down to like uh, the weight I was in high school. I was like wow. really, really, um, it, it was a very difficult time. Yeah. <clears throat> so I wasn't sleeping. I I had um, not an, I was fasting and I was praying. And for some strange reason, I had a vision while I was in my living room. Like being on a vision On a quest. Saturday <laughs> afternoon. <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness. You know, so, so here I was and all of a sudden there was, there was a wolf in my living room with his nose, no further than, um, three or four inches in front of mine and I remember my heart racing <laughs> it's the main thing like yeah. oh my gosh you know am it was I very uh, visceral well, it was it was yeah. and there's something about uh, the eyes of a wolf they have an electric quality to them and I don't know if you've ever run into them out on the trail or I've, I've seen them when I was out horseback riding I've I've been out um, in the yard here where and there, there's an electricity that just grabs you with their eyes. And it was uh, exactly yes. like that. I've seen them live. In fact, I'm looking over here because I have a picture somebody painted of a wolf on my, and it has those eyes you're, you're talking about. Very intense. intense yes, eyes. yes. And it, it was such an energetic connection. And as soon as that connection was made, this this vision wolf just turned to the side and this whole panorama just played out in front of my eyes and i could i could literally see uh, this little figure um, snowshoeing through a mountain a valley with pine trees in the dark behind and i could see this person just like slogging along you know one foot in front of the other just completely focused on staying upright and moving forward you know and then all of a sudden i could see something bounding around behind in the snow mm. coming up on on this little figure and i re i realized it was a wolf that was you know it was charging this this little person and i realized the little person was me Wow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> I literally <laughs> in my living room, oh my gosh. Oh. And um, <clears throat> this wolf just knocks this little, little me down into the snow. And I thought for sure I was going to be seeing myself ripped to pieces. And what I did see was this wolf just started to lick her face. Like a dog. Like a dog. Oh, like a friendly dog. <laughs> like a friendly dog. And like, I guess oh, wow. this person, you know, the, the grabbing the rough of the wolf and this, this yes. licking, you know, and then the whole thing just dissolved. And um, I, I had a absolute terror moment. I thought for sure that I was losing my mind. Right, right. And I did not know what to do with it. I was... Um, luckily my children weren't home that weekend so I was there by myself but I, I got on the phone right away and I was phoning all over the place like somebody please talk to me and tell me oh. what's going on I think, I think I'm losing yeah. it you know and there was nobody nobody available to talk to me so um I one of the things that I noticed immediately after that experience uh well there was a, there, that sense of being drawn in certain directions you know, so yeah. I, I was drawn um, 
to go to uh, see my family physician, of course, because, you know, right. <laughs> check me out because something's going on over here, oh, you know, <laughs> and uh, he, he was very understanding and and uh, basically just asked me, he says, well, are you feeling depressed? And I said, well, you know, I don't know. I, my divorce was just fun unless maybe, you know, yeah. maybe yeah. I'm depressed. I don't know. And he says, are you having trouble sleeping? And I'm like, yeah. And he says, okay, well, tell you what, um, I don't think that there's anything to worry about, but I'll give you some sleeping pills and we'll give you some Prozac and you know, away you go. Yeah. And a couple of days later, and I'm like oh, three pills into the Prozac and I'm thinking, what the heck, this is the worst stuff ever. Who would do this? You know? Right. So I decided, okay, I'm just going to, I'm going to stop and I'm going to see, like, I mean, there's a place for this. There's yeah. a place for the medications sure. and it definitely made me feel more secure in the moment that there was something to fall back on if I needed. That's good. Needed yes. It, right. Yeah. But I felt that uh, it wasn't the right thing in the, in the moment for what I was, what I was experiencing. Mm. So I stopped and I noticed the weirdest thing. I, it was like, um, I call it pinging. It's like when one computer talks to another, they get a little, a little response back and it's called a ping. Right. And I'm kind of techie. So that's where, <laughs> that's where it came from, you know? So I was like, I would go out and I'd be thinking about something and it would be, there's, there'd be this little ping and the answer would pop up from my surroundings. Like for instance, I went to, um, oh, where was I? Oh, I went to the Calgary Stampede <laughs> and oh, I, was, yeah. I was walking down the, the midway and I was, I was thinking about all the stuff that was going on and, and, um, uh, not knowing where I should be going and where that was the whole focus of those prayers was where should I be going? What should I be doing? Uh, I want to make sure I'm doing the right thing for myself and my children. And it was this big monkey mind kind of, Oh my gosh, what direction should I take? You know? And as I sat there on the fence, you know, for hours or days and months, you know, just milling this over, not knowing what the right direction is. So anyways, here I was Calgary stampede midway walking down the road, thinking all this over and all of a sudden I hear my name and it was this song from the sixties, Sherry baby. Well, that's the funniest thing because, um, my dad's name is Valley. <laughs> and you'd never had this kind of a connection between your name and his name before. Never, ever. I'd never actually, um, oh. and, and, his family was the family that um, came from um, an Indigenous background. And I had no contact with them growing up. Mm. I had no I had no contact with any of the family at all. So to hear this song, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out where I'm, you know, what this, what was with this wolf thing and right. where, where all this comes from. And I'm walking down the, the, the midway and there's this song playing. So I, of course I have to go over and watch the band play, you know, so it was kind of, it was kind of fun, but it's still, it was, it was one of those weird little things and I didn't know what to make of it. And, and I was having this happen so often and so regularly that it was starting to really freak me out. Yeah. Cause you've so, never had anything like this happen in your life before this wolf no, came and all this. No. Well, I, I was open to spirituality before, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but I hadn't, um, I hadn't had the definitive thing that said, hey, you know, this stuff's real. And in this point, <laughs> you're in your 30s. Is that correct, Sherry? I was in my early 30s. Yeah. 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 And um, 
it was it was the most incredible experience because I, I remember being so freaked out by it that about two o'clock in the morning, I'm screaming at the rafters, you know, just stop, make it stop, just turn it off, you know, oh. and it did. It was just like gone, just like that. And I was so grateful because I was concerned about my mental health. I thought I was having a breakdown. I thought I was going to have um, severe mental health issues. My mother had gone through some things. Mm. And I thought, oh, my gosh, they told me it wasn't hereditary. You know, <laughs> what the heck? <laughs> right. so, so anyways, I, I, I literally, as soon as it stopped, I was like, oh, thank heaven. And that was the end. I, I, I thought, okay, I'm done with this. This is yeah. no more, you know, but when you don't get something the first time around, the universe has a weird way of bringing something back so you can get it Amen. again. Man, I know, you know, so a few years later, I'm sitting there going over in my mind, what direction should I take? Where should I go? I know I'm in the wrong job. I'm, this isn't fitting, you know, everything, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So I had to, I knew I was, I was supposed to be doing something else with my life. I was in corporate, corporate world. I was doing 12 to 14 hours on the computer, doing writing reports and stuff every day. And um, <laughs> so here I was, I knew I was supposed to be doing something wrong. And what do I do? I apply for another job within the same company, doing even more computer work and more techie stuff. And <laughs> That evening on my way home, I wasn't even five minutes from the office and I was hit head on by someone who ran a stop sign. Oh my and goodness. I was in ICU for three days and then on a walker and for about four to six months after that. Mm. So while I was recouping and recovering, I was, I was, oh, you know, the universe is trying to tell me something. I didn't listen to the feather lesson. Maybe the hammer lessons kind of got right. Me. Yeah. To do something, you know. Wow. So, so I decided to start um, looking into uh, different different career paths. Okay, I cannot sit at a computer anymore. It's just not an option. Sitting there fourteen hours, man, I can't even make it for two without having. To, I need to move. Yeah. Otherwise, my whole the pain is just. It's still um not really comfortable yeah. way better than it was but, but yeah. no com not not comfortable to do it as a full-time job so so I was uh doing some research on my computer and came up uh, across a an art therapy course and I thought oh I remember I I remember I took I studied psychology when I was in high school <laughs> I kind of like this stuff you know and I I've been an artist my whole life maybe this is something Maybe this is something I should look at. So I got pulled into that. And and uh, the teacher uh, who taught me was very interested in spirituality and indigenous culture. And I learned so much from her. And she said, well, you know, you really should study eco-psychology. And I'm like, eco-what? I've never <laughs> heard of that before myself. <laughs> never heard of it either. So I did a lot of research into that. And I studied that. And that while I was studying that, I also had um, I had started following those little those little draws, you know. So uh, when I was driving down uh, one of the city streets, I got this little oh Sherry, you have to go to chapters, and I'm like, why do I have to go? Yeah, I don't need a book right now. I don't need to go shopping, and I'm like, no, you need to go to chapters. So I'm just like 
peel off to the side and go into the store and I'm standing there in the lobby going, what the heck now, you know? You're listening though, you're listening. <laughs> I, I was listening and I, I started wandering around the store and I I had, um, in, in the class that I had taken on art therapy, we had done um, this uh, experience where you were painting what your soul looked like. And it was part of a grief, it was part of the grief segment. So the idea was you paint your soul and then you wipe it down to nothing. But she didn't tell us we were going to be wiping it down. You had to paint your soul out. And then she says, no, nope, now we have to wipe the paper completely clear. And I was like, Interesting. you know, <laughs> and I said, I, I get what you're going at. And I said, I've, I've studied the processes of grief. I know all of this, blah, 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 blah. Can yes. I keep the painting, please? Because there's something <laughs> Right. So we did the, we did the uh, work and um, I, I ended up calling the piece Soul on Fire. And that relates to the chapters experience, because when I went in there, this was months later, and here's this, as I was wandering around, I was, I was trying to find, <laughs> I went to my, my, my romance section, because I'm, I'm kind of a diehard romance um, reader, and I thought, okay, well, if I'm in here, I might as well just look at something. Right, so I turned right. around from where I was looking, and right behind me was the, the uh, New Age books, on the and right at eye level facing outward not even not even putting like this out. but facing outward like this was a book called soul on fire and you had called your painting soul on fire i had called my and paintings. how how just that day or, or months oh you're kidding wow months it was there was there was like but i was looking at this thing and, and i thought okay so I had to buy, I had to buy the book yes yeah right? so and it was by a gentleman who was a shamanic practitioner he had been a Episcopalian priest and had discovered the shamanic teachings through an indigenous friend of his. And he was doing um, he was doing these books and workshops and all this kind of thing. And so I studied with him. I apprenticed with him. So at the same time I was studying eco-psychology, I was also studying shamanic practice. And it was interesting for me that the two were like this the teachings between the two were so similar i actually had a i actually had a word with my professor for eco psychology to say you know what are you doing are you are you just applying scientific terminology to this age-old practice and huh. he's like does it matter if you pull people in and you get them out to nature and you have them connecting in a way that is spiritually enriching helps their physical well-being and their mental state of health does it matter what direction they come from? Wow. That's what I was like, wow, you're right. Yeah. It doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. But so I studied both and I, I incorporate both in my books and I incorporate both in my classes. And, and then I was, well, how do I get the horse thing in here? You know, I've had so many <laughs> spiritual experiences with horses. It has to come in here somehow. I know it fits. Right. So, and you had horses at the time, and all of this. I did. I had started a couple of years after the car accident. I had started. Um, well, actually, it was part of the art therapy program because mm. uh, the lady that I was studying from was also um, one of the first uh, animal assisted therapy uh, therapists in yeah. in our area. So. Um, she had a segment on animal assisted therapy as part of this two-year course I took. 
And it was so exciting because I got to get out there with the horses and, and I hadn't been with horses since my daughter um, was, well, it, it was at that point, geez, it had been almost 10 years oh, wow. since I'd been around horses. Yeah. And that's a long time I, to go without horses. It, it was a very long time, <laughs> but, but it was, it, the experiences were, were wonderful. And I ended up with a, with, um, I'd been out there for two months. I ended up with my own horse. <laughs> oh, yep. Yep. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and awesome. then I had another one, another one, <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> you know, so it, I, I learned, um, uh, how horses can teach us. And I learned how they're, they're like the, um, they're like the facilitator themselves. They, they are the bridge that helps people go from being in their concrete buildings mm-hmm. and, and, you know, skyscrapers or apartments. It, they help people to connect to the natural part of themselves right. and take that extra step to, to approach nature nature beings in a way that they would never have thought of doing before so it's just a a beautiful unfolding experience right yeah and like you said magical that that i I get it yeah yeah when you can get out into nature and i know this is going to sound really weird to people but Probably not people on this show. We're looking for what you're saying. Okay, right awesome. <laughs> <laughs> have a conversation with a tree, yes. you know, yes. or have a conversation um, with the wind. Absolutely. Beautiful. Or the mountains or the, or the mountain streams. You know, mm. there's such a wealth of connectivity that inspires um, our own inner wilderness to, to balance if you look at it like that, like uh, scientific terms, osmosis, right? Right, right. Okay. So if something's out of balance, uh, the osmosis thing helps everything just kind of come back into balance, right? right. Like a semi-permeable membrane. And it just mm-hmm. kind of uh, um, balances itself out just by being together. Oh, wow. Right? Yes. So if you take yourself out, outside of... Um, your office building and put yourself in nature, you are basically uh, taking advantage of that, that self-balancing mechanism. That's part of, it's part of physics, right? It's not even, Mm -hmm. it's not a spiritual thing. It's an actual physical energetic thing that is part of the world that we live in, right? Science. Yeah. Science. It's it's, what we science is putting a name to it and saying, yes, this this is how it works. Right. But the, the, um, the shamanic um, natural nature-based societies have been using this technique for years. They call it vision questing. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, I'm familiar with out. that with the native, the indigenous t- tribes. Yes. Yeah. So you, you go out and you have this, this uh, conversation with nature and you wait and listen with all of your senses wow. to see what nature has to tell you. And it is it was interesting to me is when I was doing my research that not only do the indigenous um, and nature-based cultures of the world use this technique, but if you were to research um, or look in the Bible, even Jesus went out to the wilderness. That's true. Into the quiet, desolate places. That's right. 
he did. He needed to recharge. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> you, know, you know, so if, if you were to, uh, and there was a variety of different um, in uh, East Asian cultures, there's a lot of, of um, in Japan, for instance, very nature-based, the Shinto religion. Mm-hmm. There's, uh, I'm not sure, in Islam, does Muhammad go out to the, to the wilderness as well, I believe, right? Yeah. So it, it's it's all this all this information that we are not provided, you know. It's in, like in our it's society, like, you mean our society? In our society, in our culture. Yeah. It's like here we are. Okay, we like me, we reach our 30s, some weird spiritual experience happens. We have no basis whatsoever to ground ourselves in this experience and life is happening here yeah 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 we just freak out like oh my gosh you know because we don't know we don't and we don't know what we don't know right right yes you know so we get out there and we have these beautiful experiences in nature and then like what how do you how do you interpret those Mm. right yeah okay so i'm out there and i'm like okay I, i can feel the rhythm of the wind and i know i can see the shadows that caught my eye and and that's where the art therapy for me that's where the art therapy came in because it was a tool. It was a tool for decoding what I was, what I was experiencing. Right. Mm, I could yes. actually have something tangible in my hands when I was done, that would help me to make sense of my experience. Right. And that's what was missing for me when I had the wolf experience, I didn't have anything there that could help me make sense of it. So by right. going out and doing this, these art experiences in nature, and and being able to look at them afterwards and say, oh, okay, well, I've I know that I have, I know that I have over fifty natural senses. That uh, I how did you know that use. that I had not heard that either. That is a beautiful concept, isn't that the, from the shamanic experiences? Or how did you know know that? That <laughs> is actually a tenet of eco psychology. Okay, and there is um, a number of different uh, science. Um, scientific studies that have been working to prove or to catalog the way humans interact with their environment right yeah so um there's models that have around 30 there's models that around 50 there's some that go up to 80s it depends on which one you like i really like uh dr michael cohen's uh, method because he's very meticulous and and he's got them broken down into different types of senses and there's 54 senses in his model so i absolutely I, I absolutely love it i'm using it as um a way to help people gather information from from their senses become familiar with their senses in my next book the uh, elemental art of nature immersion um there'll be experiences in there where people can go out to nature, have an do an art experience that will help them understand how their own senses are pulling information from the natural world around them and what they're trying to, what the message is for them. Right? See, this is so fascinating to me. I, I love what you're talking about right now because it's like I always suspected, and I'm sure a lot of people feel the same way that what you're talking about, but to hear it put out there in a tangible, physical something you do way and something you can hold in your hand way, as you were saying, yeah. I didn't mean to interrupt. I just was like, I, I'm like, preach it, sister. <laughs> no, keep going, keep going. This is awesome. <laughs> well, that's, it, it was something that to me was, was so necessary. Um, and this, this method for 
decoding the messages. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, you, okay. So you go and you, you read, uh, someone reads tarot cards for you and they give you this message and it's vague and it mm-hmm. seems, and you sit there and you, you fiddle with it a little bit, right. or someone has a dream and you do your dream interpretation and you sit and you fiddle with it for a little bit, or you go out and have, um, a vision quest and you get this, this information, but what does it, how do you know, how do you know what it means? And this was my techie side of me saying, okay, I need a tool. I need to have something. It needs to be um, tangible, repeatable, and verifiable. Yeah. You know, so when I found these particular tools and pulled them all together and they worked, verified, scientifically repeatable yeah they i was so excited i was so excited i of course had to study everything i could get my hands on and even um and the weaving of the spiritual into it through the shamanic practice it it was a repeatable experience i could go and i could have these these conversations with the natural world it wasn't um it wasn't out there woo woo right because because there was a scientific explanation for why it was happening yes yeah you know we have all of these senses that we're pulling information from the natural world into ourselves but Mm. we we brush it aside because it's not the five senses that we're told we have you know and okay so one of those senses is our intuition our sense of intuition intuition. what some people call the sixth sense is that what you mean when you say intuition that's right Yes. Yeah. You know, so, okay. That's the sense that tells you there's a wolf in your living room in the uh-huh. of Saturday <laughs> afternoon. You right. know, it's like, <laughs> this is, this is something that's, that's, um, it's unusual. It's things that like, um, there's a, there's a, a gentleman named, uh, Dr. Rupert Sheldrake. He's kind of on the outer edges of, of uh, scientific study and he's working in the area of animal communication. Yes. And telepathy and why certain animals can be moving along in one direction and then they all change directions and move together at the same time with no like murmuration. No Is that what you're talking about with the birds? Yes. yes. No apparent communication there. Yeah. So something else is going on energetically. What, or, is, what is his last name, uh, Sherry? Dr. Sheldrake. Rupert, Rupert Sheldrake. D R A K E S H E L D. I'm 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 taking notes as we talk because I want to include Dr. Michael Cohen and Dr. Rupert Sheldrake in the show notes as, as well as whoever mm-hmm. else you're sharing. So yeah, that, to interrupt that, but to he's, clarify. He's wrote a book uh called Dogs Who Know When Their Owners Are Coming Home. Oh wow. That's intriguing. Yeah. And yeah. he talked about horses that would do the same thing. They would know when their um their owner or their person was coming out to the ranch. And they would react in a certain way. So I had, I was reading this book and of course I was out working with the horses and I thought, okay, I'm just going to see if this happens. And there was a cup, there was one particular horse. He was a big black Frisian horse and he and his, uh, his lady were, they were like this, this was, they were a soulmate couple. You could just, everything they did, they did together. It was just absolutely beautiful. And it never failed. Anytime he would come up to the gate his person would drive in not even five minutes later. And, and it wasn't the same time of day all the, uh, it's just no, whenever. Whenever. Wow. Yeah. So it would, it could be in the middle of a Saturday afternoon late when there was no lessons, nobody's, nobody's there, nobody's coming, you know, and right. all of a sudden Toronado would be coming out to the gate and I'd be looking <laughs> at him like, Oh, 
I guess she's coming. <laughs> no, she's driving <laughs> yes. five minutes later. You know, so this is that kind of thing. Um, okay, so the intuition. It's one of our senses. It's something that is energetically um, vibrating mm-hmm. between you and someone else, like the horse coming to the to the paddock gate when his person's coming in, like you know, thinking of someone and the phone ringing and it being them, you know. So, or like me go, knowing I needed to go to chapters and here's this book on shamanic practice with the same title as the painting that I painted in the basement. All in a sequence that, that makes all these starting sequences. to make sense. And it pulls you, it draws you towards what is going to help you to feel better. Mm. So to make sense anything, of it all. Yeah, it helps you to make sense of it all. So if if you were this this soul on fire book, okay, that, that got even weirder. I was I was uh, talking to um a young lady at a uh, one of the newspapers here in in Cochrane, she wanted to do an interview about women who were doing business around the Cochrane area. And she said, um, I was so I told her this story, you know, about painting this picture and and then being drawn in in this, you know, soul and fire thing. And I showed her the, the painting I had done. And she says, you know, Sherry, she says, um, that's a real place. And I, I kind of looked at her and I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. <laughs> and she says, it's not even 20 minutes west from where you live. You're How do you know this isn't a real place? She pulls up this photograph that she had taken and it was on her, on her screen. She showed me the exact same perspective of what I'd painted in this picture. And this is like, um, this is the the middle of the you're showing the cover of for those who are just listening it's the cover of your book nature immersion yeah and on this this the the photograph she had was that exact same place but i had done this painting of my soul you know and in the basement art studio you know spur of the moment just slap paint on it on a piece of paper okay so here's another connection i've got this book i've got an actual place so i decided to do some research and um hey friends brett here to tell you that today's show is made possible by the rocky mountain channel in estes park colorado It's one of our favorite places to get your nature fix, where you can explore the real Rockies. From award-winning documentaries to music in the mountains, to a fun and adventurous podcast hosted by yours truly. This is Adventure with a Conscience. We think you're going to love it. Be sure to check it out and subscribe for free at RockyMountainChannel.com. And now, back to our show. All right. So um, I have to say what I just said a moment ago. We just had the most amazing uh, 30, 35 minute conversation without the audience, without our <laughs> listeners, because your host and, and uh, producer forgot to hit record. So <laughs> should have been here. Sucks to be you. No. Uh, anyways, Gary, if you don't mind, just picking up where you left off and we'll just see where it goes for the next uh, it was a really good conversation yes it was a great conversation i feel like i know you a lot better and uh you'll have to buy the book 
see the movie. Oh, thank oh. you for hanging in there. So I, I think we were kind of, um, we were on research. I was researching. You were researching, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, it, and it may feel like we're repeating some things for you and me, but and I'll just try to act surprised. Really? <laughs> <laughs> That's too oh. funny. Um, Bless your well, heart for doing this. <laughs> so this, this um, I had had a conversation with this reporter who had shown me her uh, photograph of the place that she um, had recognized from my painting. Yes. And uh, I, of course, had to go and research it and discovered um, discovered an interesting correlation between the story I uncovered about the mountain and an experience that I'd had in Sedona when I was studying uh, with the shaman down there. And um, the story was the exact same. <laughs> Wow. <laughs> I, I didn't I didn't know quite what to make of it at the time. I had had a healing experience in Sedona where I was learning about shamanic healing techniques. And the um, the gentleman I was apprenticing with had told me that the injuries I was uh, still was holding in my body from from the car accident uh, were related to a past life experience when I had led my people up for peace talks with another group under the mountains mm -hmm. and been betrayed and all of the people had had um, been killed uh, and i was carrying the guilt of this through my reincarnation life cycles and at certain times in my life i would re-experience this pain wow. and he said you have this you have this spear in the middle of your back and he withdrew it and he did the healing process and it was absolutely amazing um and then to find a ghost story related to this painting that I had done of my soul <laughs> in, a, in a basement art studio in the middle of the city, you know, no references at all. Just paint your soul and make yes, it. Yes, yes. <laughs> so That's kind of woo-woo too, isn't it? It's weird. It was. It was. <laughs> so, of course, here this ghost story unraveled when I did this research on this mountain 20 minutes from my home that I'd never been to or even known existed. Mm. And this ghost story was all about these people that had come up from Montana to have peace talks with the people who lived here under the mountain in Alberta, and they'd been betrayed, and all these people had been killed. And the ghost story was all about the leader of this people going along the, the river, picking up the bones of the dead to, to try to get them to go home. Wow. You know, so this the correlation between the two experiences that were years apart were years apart and incredible it, and it, it started to make sense to you at that point then it or? did i was yeah. like oh my gosh i have to go here you know yeah. so uh, my husband and i packed up and drove out there and we're wandering around on the riverbed which is a glacial riverbed so of course you know runoff and everything the rocks and stuff always shift and move but the mountain's the same and it's the same mountain that's in my painting and so I was getting, I, I felt, I had thought maybe I had to do a ceremony or something when I was out there, but I, I found when I was there, I didn't. It was just a sense of huh, relief, like a weight come off my shoulders. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, okay. So after experience, I thought, okay, well, it's time for us to go home, right? So I, I'm looking, I'm walking around trying to get my footing on this rocky riverbed. And I look down and here's a rock right at my foot. It's about this big around. It's one of those the size of a basketball. You're, you're holding your hands up for those. Yeah, about like the watching. size of a basketball. Yeah. And 
it um, it was water worn and it had divots and whatnot in it from the water wearing the stone away. And I was I looked at it really closely because it had a the way the sun was hitting it and the way the divots were, it made a perfect handprint, human handprint in the top of this rock. So I was just really like, oh my gosh. And I leaned over and I put my hand in it and my hand fit perfect Man. in the divots on this rock. And so I took a picture of the rock. I yeah. just, oh my gosh, you wouldn't believe this. You, know? you weren't going to bring so, the rock home though, you said, right? I did not want to bring the rock home. I didn't want to bring anything home from there uh. at all. Thank you very much. Whatever was there can stay there. Uh -huh. <laughs> you know? It's like, I, whatever it was, it got off my shoulders. It left. I'm not taking it home with me. Good for you. Yeah. <laughs> so it was a really, it was a really interesting experience. But I, I, when we got back home, I was looking at the painting and it's about two feet by three feet in size. And I realized for the first time that in the middle of the painting was, and this was like paint that had just been slapped on in, in a, an expressive art kind of, oh, we're just putting paint on the, on the page kind of thing. Um, and there was a handprint in the middle oh. of, in the middle of the painting. And I had never seen it you before. Didn't see it before. So of course I put my hand up to it and my fingers and my palm fit exactly in the handprint that was on the that painting. That is crazy. How big is this painting? About two feet by three feet. Okay, the size of the rock, maybe a little bigger. Um, well, the rock was the rock was probably eight inches across. Yeah, yeah. No, more like ten, I guess. Yeah. So yeah. And this was that, the, and it. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So I I didn't um I didn't know what to make of it. Honestly, I was I was. It was one of those uh, events that ended up in the file with the wolf. <laughs> right, right, that unknown file. <laughs> I'll, just, of I'll just put that in there. And we're going to just tuck <laughs> it over here because we're not really sure what to do with that right now. You right. know, but and and also for our our listeners, um, you you are part of the um, Métis Nation. Is that how you say it? I thought it was Metis. Is how I said it originally. M e t i s is how you say it, is how it's spelled, yeah. right? Yeah, it's the Métis Nation of Alberta. Um, it's uh, the Métis culture kind of evolved over the centuries in Canada, part of the meeting of the European and Indigenous peoples. Mm. Um, they came together and created their own culture. Uh, there was a revolution um, when Rui, Louis Riel wanted to set up the Northwest Territories, which was basically everything west of Ontario <laughs> and as its own government. <laughs> yeah, know? yeah. And, and the government of Canada at the time didn't like that very much, mm. and uh, there was a there was many battles and war. And this is back in the 1700s, correct? Uh, before, yeah, it before, was um, yeah. it was early, early in the evolution of Canada. You know, um, now, I, we, we people in the states don't know much about Canada. Sadly, woefully, we really should learn more about your history <laughs> because it's fascinating, and it's part of who we are too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's all. Anyway, we're all on the going, same continent here. Yeah. Uh huh. Neighbors. Yeah, exactly. And that's what that's what Louis Riel was trying to set up. He was a neighbors, you know, mm. and um, the uh, the government at the time was a little bit more um, of the mindset that it was all theirs. Thank you very yeah. much. And you have no business setting up your own government. Wow. You know? So it was kind of it was um, he's now recognized as one of the founding fathers of Canada. But at the time he was hung as a traitor. You know, so it it, it's yeah it's been um, a long struggle it's been yeah. a long struggle but this week here in canada the metis nation is in alberta is voting 
on their own constitution for self-governance. Just the week before Thanksgiving, for those of us who are listening. Wow, perfect. Go (laughs) Métis. So, um, yeah, it's uh, it was a interesting experience for me trying to get in touch with my cultural roots. Yeah. Um, my mom and my dad had separated when I was a baby, and I grew up with my mom's family, and I didn't have any contact with any of Métis culture at all. Um, you knew you were from the Métis uh, heritage, though. Um, originally or no, was that a secret, a surprise? It was a secret. It was a secret. (laughs) People did not say if my, um, I did when I was looking at the history, um, at the, at the time, it was not a a good thing, um, to be Métis or Indigenous Mm. child. I see. Um, and I think, um, Looking back on it now, I think my mother was probably trying to protect me. And I didn't know anything about about the um, what they're calling the 60s scoop, where a lot of Indigenous and Métis children were taken away from their parents and put in residential schools or adopted out to other families and whatnot. So um, my mom, with her mental health issues, she may have had some concerns that I was going to be taken away from her I don't know Mm -hmm. I I really don't know Uh, I do know that she went to great lengths uh, to say flat out no you're not (laughs) (laughs) so so when I when I discovered I I was reading a pioneer book about one of my uh, one of my aunts um, on my dad's side of the family and she was the principal at um, the high school and she wrote this really long story in one of the pioneering books and uh, was very clear on where the heritage came from, oh, and and uh, that set me on my path. And I yes, I yeah. did a lot of um, you know archaeological uh, digging, I guess genealogically, Genealogical. archaeologically digging, but gotcha. but yeah. in a way that connected me um, to my dad's family because it's not as though it's like far back, you know, a bazillion generations ago. I mean, this is me. This is, this is not, this is not, this is me, but I had been a distance. There was a break there. Right. Right. So if it was a way for me to bridge the gap and it led me into um, learning how to make a drum. And that led me into uh, teaching drum making classes and that led me into you know it was just this you know which you do now um, which I do now and, and is that of the Métis heritage uh, that actual drum or is it uh, is it that specific or is it more you have that in well, your blood so <laughs> there you it, go. it's kind of interesting actually um the the hand the Raja hand drum is part of the indigenous cultures uh, and uh, as the Métis nation is also a mix of it of European and indigenous cultures, mm-hmm. the drum their drumming is part of of our culture as well. Um, there's also fiddling and mm-hmm. jigging and yes, yes. all that the kind European of influence. So there, there is from both sides. Yeah. So it, that's what makes it very rich and and very um, exciting. Um, the drum itself, to me, was a really uh, big piece of finding out. Um, 
finding a way to kind of connect with the heartbeat of the earth. Mm -hmm. You know, for me, the the sound of the drum when it's played out in nature is is uh, there's just a quality to it that uh, speaks to the soul in a way. Haunting would that be a good word <laughs> yeah. to use? Haunting. Yeah, is, yeah. yeah. I I remember we were doing oh, we were doing some drumming out along. <laughs> along the ghost river under that mountain that I painted that I didn't know existed yeah. <laughs> you know? and we were we were out there drumming and the eagles were flying over top of us and they stopped and it was as though they were playing in the airwaves to the to the music that we were making Whoa. it was absolutely beautiful it was yes. beautiful and then we stopped and the eagles stopped and left it was it was a beautiful experience and oh. we've had I've had um we've done uh drum baths um laying out in nature so uh it, it becomes so intense you can feel the drumming above you but you can also feel the vibration of the earth below you so it's as though okay the the person up here is doing this this beautiful sound bath for you and it's being answered by Mother Earth below you, holding you in place, you know, so. Would that be considered one of the 50 senses you're talking about? Then? Absolutely, sure. absolutely. Because we have, um, one of the senses that we have is a sense of vibration, the, the sense of um, uh, an energetic, uh, my goodness, now, you see, I don't have them at hand. We have over 50 senses, over 50. Wow. It's really okay, exciting. Throw out a couple more there. I was going to ask you anyway. I was curious. So uh, in, in, mm -hmm. you said they were over 50 verifiable human senses, not just, you know, something that somebody thinks might be. But That's verifiable. right. Scientifically verifiable. What? 50. The, the model that I like to use is um, was um, verified by Dr. Michael Cohen. Uh, and he uh, was my teacher and mentor through the eco-psychology program uh, where I studied. And his model um, has 54 senses, and he breaks it into four different groups. Uh, so there's, there's physical, there's radiation senses, there's emotional feeling senses. So he's, he's categorized them in a way that my logical brain just really loved. Mm, yes, yeah. <laughs> and I helps. was able to... Yeah, I was able to to say, okay, well, this is real. This stuff is real. This information that we're getting when we experience nature is scientifically verifiable. It's yeah. not, and, and it, it's interesting because when I studied the shamanic practice, it they fit together so perfectly. I I had um, a conversation with my professor at the time, because I was like, what are you doing? Are you just applying scientific terminology to, you know, a shamanic practice that humanity has been using for millennia? And, and we had this conversation and he was like, well, do you, do you believe that God is in all things? And I said, yes. I said, and he says, so what's the problem? Bingo. You know? Wow. Yeah. So, okay, yeah. well, God's in all things, the divine's in all things, the universe is in all things, the the collective unconscious is, is you know, what, what do we call this thing? It's intelligent. It, it communicates with us. Yeah. But how do we, does it matter what we call it? It doesn't. You know, it. it I, I don't know if we talked about this before. I know, we, I don't I know. Record <laughs> again, but I did want to say, so I like the term creator. 
And, yes. and the reason I do is I, I look at things that are around me. Like for instance, I drive a pickup truck and, and somebody designed it, somebody created it, it has a purpose. And mm-hmm. it's like, it didn't just come together. All the molecules at some point just came together without some sort of a plan, a purpose. And so what you just said, it makes it so much easier for me to accept. Well, of course the creators and everything, because he puts a part just like we do. He puts a part of himself into it. And that mm-hmm. is such a beautiful, comforting and scary, but comforting yeah. thing. And also it's very humbling because yeah. I see things that I go, I don't want a part of that. Or, you know, sometimes I struggle with the, uh, the oneness concept that we've been talking about, but yeah. uh, it, when, as you've been sharing this, it makes me more comfortable to accept, okay, we're all, you know, part of, we're all one. <laughs> we are mm-hmm. all part of the same origination. We're all related. <laughs> we're all related. Um, wow. So, so you were talking about the eagles flying overhead and my mm-hmm. wife and I had just moved this last week, moved, we moved our horses from a 10 acre pasture out to 125 acre pasture with irrigation ditches and big cottonwood trees in the mountains right in the background. It's just a gorgeous place. And as we were walking the horses, we had to walk way out to get them. It takes about 10 minutes to get to them unless you can call them in. And mm-hmm. so, um, we, as we were walking out, we picked them up and they were just following us. Uh, we put halters on two of them and we're walking along and uh, the others are trailing behind, just kind of following the herd. And all of a sudden, this bald eagle flew overhead. I mean, right overhead. You could hear his his uh, wings and the feathers just through the wind and uh, the wind through his feathers. And it was like a blessing. I actually had my cell phone camera and I was filming and he went right. He was between us and the sun overhead. It was a beautiful moment as if he were saying, welcome. Here's, here's my here's part of my domain. And I mm-hmm. welcome you here too. And the horses were just... It was just a very beautiful, natural moment. Gave us both goosebumps as we experienced it. And you mm-hmm. were you had mentioned those eagles. It made me think of the same thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we again a, that oneness. Yeah, and a comfort. Well, it's, a, it's a confirmation, right? Confirmation. So you you're drawn out there, following those those web strings that lead you to what sustains you, to what you mm-hmm. need. Yes. Right? Yeah. So at that particular moment in time, in that wow. particular place, you were drawn there. To so experience this, right? Yeah, this, and what did that confirm for you, right? Yeah, confirmed we were part, we belonged here. We it was yeah. meant to be. Yeah, yeah. Again, this not separation, but this oneness. So, is this what your classes, uh, your drum classes, your nature immersion classes are are about? Yes. Yeah. Yes. It's all about learning how to communicate mm. um, and to decode any type of information that you're gathering during them. That's why I really like the art experience as part of the, of the nature immersion experience, because it gives you something tangible that you can hold in your hands Mm -hmm. and say, yes, this actually happened. And you can look at it and analyze it and decode it and understand what it is that was communicated to you. Wow. Yes. Because you have something there to look at. Our memories can shift and change, but you can look at that piece of paper. You can look at that artwork and say, okay, this was what, this was what was real in that moment. Mm. Right. Yeah. And like the drums you were mentioning too, on the part that people didn't get to hear, you had mentioned that they were round. That circle is a, what, how did you say it? The circle is a symbol. Yes. It's a cross, the circle is a cross-cultural symbol for all that is for the world. 
for the universe. Yeah. You know? And the handle that I use in the back is an equidistant cross. And the equidistant cross is a cross-cultural symbol for being in relationship to. Mm. So the drum, as, as I teach this, <laughs> the drum <laughs> is a symbol for being in relationship to all that is. Wow. Well, and you're holding center when you're playing. I see. Yeah. What I find fascinating about this as well is that these folks, uh, these indigenous tribes and, and the cultures of the world chose the circle or knew that the circle was a symbol of, of, the, uh, of the earth long before we had ever been into space, been on the moon and, and seen the earth as round. That right there is, is very telling, isn't it? Mm-hmm. It's, it's an interesting i'm not really sure where the uh where it originated or why it originated but now i can talk about sumerian language i think they used mm. circles in in yeah. the ancient ancient the oldest texts of yes. human uh, language that have been found it's it's very interesting um uh, the development of of these cultures, these nature-based cultures. One of the things that I found really fascinating when I was studying uh, the shamanics um, portion of my of my background was that all of these cultures, these nature-based cultures, originated in separate places around the world, around the whole globe, and they all are based in the exact same teachings. Wow. And yet there was no communication between them. Yeah. They're only... The only thing that was similar in all cases was that nature taught them. Mm. Mm. That's the 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 uh, the link the unifying. What's the word I'm looking for? That, yeah. That's the common link. The common denominator taught. between nature all of them. Nature. Yeah. yeah, nature taught them, and they all separately learned the same thing. Wow. Nature taught them. Therefore, it's not some one man's idea. This is, hey, this is my idea. You follow me because I'm, I'm, you know, I'm the, the cult leader or whatever. This is, this is nature teaching us. Nature at its basis. Turn our back on at times. I mean, humanity, of course, is going to put their own little twists on everything. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that's that's why there's so many religions. That's why there's so many, so many different trains or schools of thought because everyone learns their own thing and they teach their own thing, right? Yeah. But nature is is when we learn directly from nature, when we go and have those personal interactions and personal experiences with nature, there's no middleman. Mm, yeah. There, there's not. It's just you and all that is. That right? is beautiful. That circle. That... Wow. Right. So we all go in with our own preconceived understanding of what nature is. But once we start working in this um in this communication style, yeah, you end up having to really reevaluate what you think, the way the way you think nature works. Yes, yeah, because it's a lot. Um, yeah, so <laughs> I've you had have a lot to of have, surprises. <laughs> it, it calls for humility, doesn't it? Because you have to let go of what you thought you understood and yeah. be open to what the Creator, the Universe, the Divine is yeah. is offering, yeah, and teaching. Beautiful. I'm so glad that you to, to have found you and to know that there are, there are people out there who are providing these nature immersion experiences that we can tap into. Uh, so tell me where we can find your book and you and how people oh. can get connected with you if they want to. Do they have to come to um, 
do you ever come down to the States? Do they have to come to Alberta to do this? How, how does this work? Well, um, I have only been working in Alberta so far. Um, I'd be open to going anywhere else if someone was interested in, in um, collaborating in a way like that. I think it would be fun. Yeah. I'm, my website is where people can get a hold of me. It's theloftyarthouse.com. And yes, the lofty is because I work in my barn loft. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, uh, my books are on the website with links to everything from Amazon and, uh, oh, geez, the list is long. Yeah, All so if we go to your website. Available. Yeah, so the website will point you to whichever um, book supplier you're interested in. It's there. Yeah. Um, Amazon has, um, the five fun and easy steps to living balanced with purpose and clarity, which and I just it, recently read and <laughs> give three thumbs up. I loved it. It was beautiful. It's, uh, the ebook is on there. I'm, I'm going to put that one into a paperback as well, but that'll oh. be coming in the next month or so. Very cool. And I've just finished the third one in the nature book series. It's called the elemental art of nature immersion. And it's a workbook. So it helps you to um, actually have the art experiences yourself. It gives you step-by-step -step instructions. Um, at the end of it, you end up with one art card for each of your 54 senses. So you have a awesome. connection with nature through your natural senses and you create an art piece that you need absolutely no art experience previously in order to create. So... Wow. It, it's all pretty straightforward and laid out for you there in the workbook. And yeah. so they don't even need you as the teacher to be right there because this book is teaching them how to do that. The okay. book will teach them how to connect to nature. It will teach them how to create and it gives them a specific art project to do. Um, one of the things about um, doing the um, nature immersion process with uh a guide or someone there with you so that you can bounce ideas back and forth off of each other. Oh, that's not, yes. You know? Yes. So uh, there's, there's a wealth of experience. I've, I've been doing this now since uh, 2009. So um, I, I'm a lot more comfortable with it than I was at the beginning yes. when surprising and weird things would happen <laughs> yeah. prior to my training I was uh -huh. all freaked out and there was a really big file with you know all the weird things that happened but yes yeah but being more comfortable with it now I think it, it helps me to be able to give people the confidence to say okay yes this is really happening to me yes this really was something and yes you know I did get a message there yeah. was something communicated to me and now how do we figure this out? How do we make this understandable? Yeah. And so, so it gives me an, op uh, being in a guided workshop gives an opportunity to um, bounce the ideas off the other people in the class or the instructor, you know, it, it, it's helpful. There's good things both ways. Yes, I'm working yeah. right now on putting up um, online courses that would help a, an individual um to go and have experiences on their own mm -hmm. um and that will be hopefully coming sometime next year yeah nice and, um yeah so a little bit of everything got some books got some artwork got some some classes and yeah. i've done oh i did a we did a, a workshop uh with 
about 15 women just up here behind us and in the yes. woods and that was fun so, oh yeah i love the scenery behind you in the snow and there's the is that the barn and the the oh, yeah. pine trees and the yeah <laughs> it's just gorgeous it makes me want to be there right now i was thrilled to hear just a moment ago when you said that you would consider going elsewhere to do these things, because we're talking right now about doing a mindfulness and nature retreat where we have, I was just talking to our last guest, Peter Mayer, who's a musician. We were talking about getting him to come from Minnesota down here, not too far from you, I guess, come closer than here probably. Mm -hmm. uh, and doing a mindfulness and nature retreat where we take a weekend and we, you know, we listen and we, we, Give, offer some tools and and maybe journals and and I love the idea about making the drums and and uh, and all the other nature immersion techniques you're talking about because I really want to tap into more than just my five senses that I'm familiar and almost comfortable with now. <laughs> I think what you are teaching and what you have to offer would be such a, a blessing. Would you consider possibly doing that at some point? We uh, we talk about how to maybe do that. I think that would be really interesting. Yeah, I do would be too. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Oh, good. I don't sure. know where you are. Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> I'm in Venezuela. No, I'm just oh, kidding. <laughs> no. That's a long way. No, down. I'm in Colorado, just east of Rocky Mountain National Park. So we're kind of in the foothills of, of uh, the Colorado Rockies. So it, it oh. probably feels similar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> awesome. So Although I would be willing to come up. I was going <laughs> to. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I, I have felt such a, a synergy here with you today. And uh, I, I've kicking myself for, for forgetting to hit record, but you know, that's the way life is sometimes. And uh, it's funny. It's ironic that the mindfulness in nature guy forgot to be mindful. Hey, I was so into our conversation that I just, I want to share with my audience that you just missed uh, an amazing conversation, but Sherry, you picked it right up and, and made it even better. So <laughs> thank you so much for being here today. And for all of that, was there anything else that you wanted to, um, that we missed or that you would like to share? No, just get out there, get out there get in out nature. There. Yeah. The best advice anybody could give. Experience it. It's um, if you can connect with nature rather than just be yeah. walking through nature or jogging through nature or cycling through nature, but actually, you know, take them, take a moment and actually um, try and connect. Yeah. I think it's, it's an experience well worth taking the time to do. And you know what I learned from you today more than anything is just be open and be willing to accept and face that wolf that might look scary, <laughs> that metaphorical wolf, because you never know what it might have to teach you. I, I love that concept. And I'm just so glad that you were open. I mean, it's during a painful time, obviously, but you were open and, and, and now you're in the teaching position where you can share that. That's beautiful. Mm -hmm. And also, I love the concept of inner wilderness. I had never heard that before. Um, uh, that because wherever you go, you're taking that with you, correct? You are. Yeah. There's no yeah. running away. Yeah. <laughs> you can be in the city and you, you still have your inner wilderness. <laughs> yeah. <That's right. laughs> no running away. <laughs> Wonderful. <laughs> well, I know you got to go out and feed your horses and, um, God bless you. <laughs> Thank you so much for being here today, Sherry. I uh, Blessings to you. And I, I really enjoyed our conversation. We'll be, be willing to come back and, and carry this on sometime more. I absolutely would. Thank you very much. Thank, Thank you, you very much for having me. You betcha. We'll be in contact. All right. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. Now that was a cool conversation. Nature immersion, 54 senses, and your inner wilderness. 
Sherry's given us a lot to think about today, and I hope you found it helpful and inspiring to facilitate you on your journey of personal growth through nature. Be sure to check out the show notes for today's show and her website for all the books and workshops she offers. You just might find yourself packing your bags for a trip to Alberta. If you enjoyed today's show and learned even one thing that could help you on your journey of growth through mindfulness and connection with nature, would you share this podcast with someone else who you think would benefit from it? Also, it would help us immensely if you would take a few moments to rate and review on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. What a blessing that would be. Thank you. Remember, life is a gift. Nature's a gift. And you are a gift back to the world. We'll see you back here next week. Take care, friends.